0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan on Twitter at Adam Vingen. And where should people pay for good journalism if they want to read amazing journalism? The Athletic, of course. That is right. And subscribe to this show and subscribe to The Athletic. Some housekeeping here before we get into a big show planned today around the Nashville Predators' inability to lose hockey games. Um, And and that is, of course, uh, a couple of other things going on. We launched on 440 Sports a brand new podcast called Club and Country about Nashville SC with Wes Bowling and Tim Sullivan. Make sure you check that out on the 440 Sports Network. Uh, We also had a great conversation with Ryan McGee uh, of ESPN, who's going to be on the uh, Fringe Element SEC podcast, and Adam Sparks as he ends his tenure as the Vanderbilt beat writer for the Tennessean on lamestream sports coming out on Friday. (laughs) We talked about a vasectomy, Adam. Uh, other Adam, about, yeah, you, you, Adam, we talked about his vasectomy. You didn't expect that one to come out of my mouth, did you? Why? You'll have to tune in on Friday to Lamestream Sports to find out. Oh
1: my, talk about a hook.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, so why the Preds are winning, obviously we'll talk a lot about goaltending. How does this, the most important conversation, Adam, is how does this winning streak and this resurgency from the Nashville Predators into the playoff spot in, in the Central Division, how does this affect the big picture strategy moving forward towards the trade deadline for David Poyle in the front office. We will get to all of that. Ryan Ellis, Eckholm, John Hines, how we evaluate all these guys, the young kids. I know you're working on some stuff for, for Ellie Tolvenin as well, who's now the third leading scorer on the team. Uh, so a lot of that stuff, uh, of course, coming up on the show today. Also, reminder, Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers jaspers so great place to go sit and watch the game great happy hour 4 to 6 p.m monday through friday and during all preds games you can order a gold standard cocktail named after this podcast it's a whiskey drink not a cider drink it's a whiskey drink and you and listen grab and go market but also good place to get uh takeout food as well you can yes through. bridget and i uh took
1: out some jaspers on monday um delicious there you go I had a burger, Ooh. the Jaspers burger, delicious. Did not add bacon. Not a huge <laughs> bacon cheeseburger guy. Oh, that's un American. So
0: you don't like sweet tea and you don't like bacon on your burger? We're gonna talk about this. I don't segment.
1: hate bacon on my burger. I just choose <laughs> not to. Oh, I gosh. prefer more of a. c I'm more of a club sandwich kind of guy. I do like a good club. I prefer I prefer, you know, a BLT or a, a turkey club versus bacon on the on the burger.
0: I love BLTs. But I feel like it's a missed opportunity to have a club.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, why not just add the turkey and the ham? In theory, a sandwich sandwich of bacon, lettuce, and tomato doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. It's pretty good, though. It is delicious, but you would think that you would want cold cuts on there.
0: Yeah, why not? So, either way. More is is better, Uh, including in the Vingan household. So, Mm. I know you guys announced this on the socials. I'm very excited for you. Do you have some news for the Gold Standard audience?
1: Yes, for those of you... Uh, who are listening that haven't seen? Uh, my wife and I are expecting our first child in September. Woohoo! Yes. Will and he be named Jasper? He will not <laughs> be named. He will not be named Jasper. Um, if <laughs> I, it is a boy, listen.
0: How committed are you? If Adam? it is a
1: boy, um, <laughs> well, we could talk sponsorship with Jaspers. I mean, free food for life at Four Top Hospitality. It might be worth being named. <laughs> jasper Vingan and going through life with that name um there's worse names there are worse names but um <laughs> my my wife I just told me the doctor to hold up the baby jasper <laughs> <laughs> my wife told me before i left this morning she said if you talk about my pregnancy on the podcast i, <laughs> I have to tell people that she wishes she knew how painful it was and how um yep. uncomfortable she would be um so I, I told her I would, so for you out there who uh, either have a child, or if you're a woman who has experienced pregnancy, my wife would like you to know that she
0: finds it very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's funny, I've spoken to her about this, uh, as well as seen her tweet about it, which is, why didn't anybody tell me it was going to be th- like this? And that, that maybe that's true, as a man, I have no clue, uh, but I know my wife had a pretty brutal first pregnancy with our first daughter, uh, and it was... Uh, you know, listen, everybody's great. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fine. It wasn't anything serious, but it's just it, it's it's no joke growing an entire human inside of your body, right? Like it's no joke. So congratulations to you and the missus Thank and uh, can't wait The due date is in September. September that's right. Yes. So congratulations. All right. Off and running here to hockey. So basically the last time we did a podcast, the Preds just haven't lost a game. They, they had won a few games before as well. We've now won six straight. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. After their comeback against Dallas, basically they play the Dallas Stars dead even for like 12 straight periods or whatever. Outside of the 7-0 blowout, it's basically been a dead even um, situation between Dallas and Nashville. Huge goal from Cali Yarncroke. All he does is score goals, Adam Vingan, The leading scorer for your Nashville Predators, Cali Yarncroke with clutch performance after clutch performance. Ties up the game with less than five minutes to go. Ellie Tolvinen. Behind the defense in overtime and they win. More importantly, uh, UC Saros has been excellent since coming back from his injury. I think 5 and 1 with like six total goals allowed since coming back. W- what is it about Cali Yarncrook that makes him an MVP candidate and a heart trophy candidate in your opinion? <laughs> Sticking it to me that, that might be worth my heart trophy vote. At this 11 point. goals
1: um, in 37 hey, games. Like, I-, I apologized to him a couple weeks ago. <laughs> So I don't know why we keep belaboring the point here, but <laughs> look, he's played incredibly well. You know, he's had the opportunity to play higher in the lineup. He's gotten more power play time, and he's making the most of his opportunity. You know, that's all you can ask for. Um, and when, hey, look, when you're on, you're on. I mean, since the last time we recorded, Rocco Grimaldi scored four goals in a game. Um, that's that's a good So point. <laughs> so uh, things things happen. Um, but who has more points than Matt Duchesne, by the way. Right. But also Matt Duchesne's been out for the you eh, know, for the we'll, last we'll, several weeks. We'll um, but the you know, we, we're, we're starting to see, you know, some of these players who had been struggling earlier in the season come around. Perhaps it's, you know, regression to the mean positive regression, whatever you want to call it. You know, Victor Arvidsson has looked much better. Cali croak has been scoring a lot. Rocco Grimaldi scored five goals in two games. Talk about, you know, positive regression. Um, even Ryan Johansson, I-, I feel like, has looked a-, a lot better eye test-wise over the past few games. Roman Yossi has been scoring more often um, since he came back into the lineup after missing a, a-, a couple weeks. Um, they're-, they're starting to get those contributions from players who most of us were wondering, where the hell are they? right um so
0: do do you we'll get into UC Saros and Pekka and the goaltending because it's clearly been a driving force behind the winning streak and, yes. and and the turnaround for the franchise and for the club and for them to be in the playoffs right now but are you seeing it sounds like you are seeing other things from a metric standpoint that suggest it. it's it there's there's some buy-in to the message from John Hines the system is starting to fall into place the players are as you're talking about progressing or regressing to their mean, whatever phrase you want to use, is it more than just the goaltending? Because I think it's easy to point to the goaltending and say, obviously in the NHL, when you get great goaltending, you win games. And they have gotten very good goaltending. It, it, but but it, it sounds like you're saying you're seeing more than, there's more to it than just that.
1: Well, I did some digging yesterday um, on The Athletic, using my friends at SportLogic to help me, you know, looking at, what has made the biggest difference in these? Well, at the time, eight games. This was before last night's game. In this, during the first eight games of this stretch, when they went when they were, excuse me, seven and one versus the preceding twenty-eight games of the season. And number one, of course, is goaltending. Um, as we as we know, um, before last night's game, UC Saros and Pecarina in the previous eight games had combined to post a five-on-five save percentage of 95.9%. Uh, that'll win you a lot that, of hockey games. That good? That's quite good. Um, <laughs> and, and using um, Sport Logics' goals saved above expected model, in those eight games in all situations, the play of UC Saros and Pecorine had saved the Predators 11 extra goals. Wow. So they had stopped 11 extra goals over those eight games, which can make a significant difference. <laughs> it's a huge difference. Um, but the other thing that stood out to me when I looked at the data, um, so among the many things that Sport Logic tracks, and they track a lot, um, they track scoring chances off of certain types of plays, scoring chances off the rush, scoring chances off the cycle, and scoring chances off the forecheck. And – the Predators have been a much more effective team on the four check during this stretch than they were before. In the previous eight games, they had been averaging 2.3 four check scoring chances per game, which is an extra, one full extra scoring chance per game than they did in the preceding 28 games, which might not seem like a lot, uh, but actually that 2.3 uh, was
0: second in the league over the past two weeks. So they're clearly doing right. something more um, is it, is it as simple as saying like, again, John Heinz's message and strategy and philosophy is starting to take root, but also, I don't know, when you look at the players Trennan and cousins, and this is the jam that we talked about, right? Like right. some of these guys, like Olivier has no fear at all <laughs> to fly into the zone and Grimaldi's always, you know, is, is that, is that what you attribute that to? I think some of it, um, you know, John
1: Heinz singled out, this was on Sunday night uh, the game-winning goal against Chicago in the second game, uh, Roman Yossi's goal with six and change left in regulation, and he talked about how it was a it was an effective forecheck that set up that goal, and and he pointed out that you know earlier in the season Victor Arvidsson, who was part of that goal, may not have been you know in the right place or may not have done what it need what he needed to do in order to you know establish position. Against his man to set up that goal. Yep. Of course, it went from Arvidsson to Tolvanen to Yossi. Um, Seems like
0: we're mentioning that Tolvanen name in yes. almost every single big moment.
1: We we have recently. been. Yes, we have. Um, we'll get to that. Yes, we will. Um, but I, I really do think that you know this team. This team wants to be a north south team, up and down the ice. And I think you're starting to see that a little bit more. And and I wonder, this is just me wondering that, you know, for a lot of the past several weeks, there has been a lot less skill in the lineup at times. You know, Roman Yossi's been out. Matthew Shane's been out. You know, Ryan Ellis has been out. um, Ryan Johansson missed a game. You know, Philip Forsberg's out. Luke Cunning. Luke Cunning. So you wonder, okay, perhaps the Predators have to simplify their approach a little bit not to say that they're out there trying to maneuver their way and outskill other teams which they may have been trying to do in the past um but perhaps not having that extra skill in the lineup has forced the team maybe subconsciously to play a bit more
0: simple so and, so i would use uh, football analogy would be to me and i can let you do basketball if you want but <laughs> I, I would do fo- football analogy to me is run the run the ball and play defense and to me that's goaltending in the forecheck in hockey. I don't know if that's a fair comp to you, but when somebody says to me like how do you win in football? Well, oh, the age-old tradition of run the ball and play defense, right? And I think if you if you if you forecheck aggressively and have great goaltending, you're going to put yourselves in a lot of good positions to win in hockey. In basketball, I don't know what it is, like you know knockdown shots and rebound like i don't know you know i don't yeah, know what the, don't, the basketball analogy would yeah, be Yeah, i'm not sure either the ucla michigan game certainly was a lot of defense on <laughs> yes. on tuesday night um but it's amazing what happens when you just are willing to outwork the other guy on offense and you have great goaltending on defense i
1: mean i think it's i think that's what it comes down to i mean yeah. i think and you've you've heard john hines talk a lot about commitment and work ethic and that there seems to be a, a renewed purpose uh, in both of those particular areas, um, and you're seeing it, and, and like we've talked about on the podcast before, even when this team wasn't winning, neither of us thought to, neither of us thought that, you know, this team was dogging it out there, that they were going through the motions no. and, and just, you know, trying to get the season over with. Um, they continued to play hard. Um, was it translating to wins? No. And is it lip service? It, it, it's funny because working hard and losing and then you when when you hear that you know your reaction is like well it doesn't matter how hard they're working if they're not winning Right, they're not good enough <laughs> and then if they're working hard and winning oh they're buying in <laughs> they're buying in like it's, like what i've been saying on the show <laughs> right that's i just think that's what's funny is that like it, depending on how a team right, is right. performing and, and it's Sports not just is that. a results-oriented business, i know man. but it's funny because i remember tweeting early in the season when they weren't winning that they were working hard and, you know, give them credit for that. And I got a lot of, well, it doesn't matter because it's not translating to wins.
0: (laughs) And then now it's like, (laughs) they're buying in, they're buying in. You say you use that voice with your wife all the time. Have you tried it during the pregnancy? No, I was going to say, don't small piece of advice. Don't, but, but but you get it, right? No, 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 I got, can I give you a few more to do with the voice? Sure. Like blame, blame the referees in that voice because that's, that's one of the other ones. Tim I Peel is part of a larger conspiracy <laughs>
1: against the Nashville Predators. It began in 2017. Spear- My voice cracked. S-
0: spearheaded by Gary Batman. <laughs> Tim Peel was a sleeper agent. <laughs> now, do, now do Sidney Crosby.
1: <laughs> the NHL has wanted Sidney Crosby to win all the time.
0: And to smash PK Subban's face every time, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> you remember that skirmish, man? Oh, that was a, that was a, that was fun times. Uh, all right, okay, back on track here. Uh, so we're gonna we have a major discussion about how this affects the strategy for the Nashville Predators, and there are some major emotions riding through that conversation. That's a, a, a I think that's the biggest thing for Preds fans. You can enjoy the the winning streak, enjoy the playoff chase. There's now a four team race. For that final spot, it looks like Dallas still has games in it to, it to play on everybody else, Columbus, Chicago, and Nashville. But it's going to be a fun last 20, 20 games or a few weeks here before the trade deadline. And we're going to have a large conversation today about what that means from, from a big picture strategy standpoint for the front office. But a couple of people I want to touch on before we do that. Number one, and we'll get to Matt Duchesne in a second. But number one, Ellie Tolvanen scores the, the game winner in overtime and we just said it, every time we seem to talk about a big power play moment or a key goal or something with this team over the last couple of weeks, Ellie Tolvanen has been involved in it. His skill with the backhand in the game winner against Dallas, he did it with zero effort at all, got behind the defender and was in the right place at the right time. Was it Grimaldi who made the pass? I don't even remember who made the pass to Tolvenin in overtime against I, it
1: might have been Rocco Grimaldi I, th- I think it was Grimaldi somebody I told. was so captivated by Ellie uh, I, know, goal I, know. I wasn't paying attention to anything else
0: but you already mentioned the other the play that he was involved in against Chicago he is now the third leading scorer on this team despite playing you know seven or eight less games than most everybody else I, I mean we are seeing what we've been talking about for years with this guy come to life in in a I think it's happening way faster than any of us anticipated right I, well, I mean, I I think the the three year thing is weird, but like now that he's here, he's come a long way in the last month. I
1: I think, yes, I I think in that regard, yes, I, I, you know, we expected Ellie Tolvanen to contribute once he got here full time, but we didn't expect it to be like this so soon. Um, But he wasn't on the opening night roster, (laughs) right? He was on the taxi squad um, on the cash cap. Um, we as a society have grown accustomed to instant gratification no yes so when Ellie Tolvanen came to to Nashville three years ago three
0: years ago four like, years ago in a playoff race as like a 19 year old right
1: when he came here three four years ago you know, we expected him to immediately come into the lineup play in the top six and score a lot of goals because we had been conditioned to believe that, based on what we had seen in the KHL, in the World Junior tournaments, at the Olympics, you know, we we expected Ellie Tolvanen to just be a star immediately. But I think some, you know, we we use different analogies. Like you look at you look at the NBA, for example. You know, if you're a high draft pick, you're immediately playing. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. you're the centerpiece of a team almost immediately. Um, now that has to do with, you know, college basketball and, you know, the fact that the NBA doesn't really have a development system. It well, does. And ph-
0: physically, you are prepared to compete right. at, at 18 years old, whereas in hockey and football, rarely are you. Correct. So Soccer, for example, you could be 16 and physically ready to go. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. Um, so we were conditioned to believe that Ellie Tolvanen was just going to be a superstar immediately, and when he wasn't, you know, the the general sentiment was, you know, what a bum, what a bust. He didn't come in here right away and score all these
0: goals. Do do the voice.
1: What a bust. <laughs> Ellie Tolvanen <laughs> was expected to be. You know. Anyway, um, that's good. I remember going to Milwaukee his first full season in Milwaukee, his first full North American NHL professional season, whatever you want to call right. it. I remember going to Milwaukee. And and as part of his contract, um, he, ha- if I can remember it correctly, I th- he had a, what's called a European assignment clause. Um, and basically what that means is after a certain number of games in North America, both AHL and NHL, if Ellie Tolvanen wasn't happy, if he didn't feel like he was getting an opportunity, right. he had the right to go back to Europe. You know, he could he could go back to the KHL. It was he was contractually permitted to do that. Right. And I remember going to Milwaukee. You know, I think he had played seven or eight games at that point. So I think it was I think it was ten games. I can't
0: recall. I think it was he had to play. He had to make a decision before ten games. It was I right? think
1: ten games was like that. After ten right. games, he could choose to do right. what he wanted. So I think when I went to visit it was like 7 or 8 so he was getting close to making that decision or close to being able to make that decision and i remember talking to him about it and he said no i'm i'm i want to stay right like i you know i feel i feel like i'm learning i, I feel comfortable here i like the coaching staff if i want to play in the nhl yep. like this is what i have to do yep. like he i remember if i remember correctly he said something to the effect of i'm closer to the nhl by being here yep. than going Back to the KHL.
0: And the things that I notice, like everyone notices the goals, the big plays, the splashy power play moments. Everybody notices that stuff. But I don't know about you, but the stuff that I notice, it's about once or twice a game where he does something like bust his ass on a back check to 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 break up a two on one, or a loose puck trickles out of the zone and it looks like the opposing team might have a a chance to to jump on it and, and rush down the other direction, and he busts his ass to get back and defend on that particular player, something like that. I I am What I notice about him, and it's not enough, and he certainly has a long way to go, but when I see those moments, I'm actually more excited because I expect him to score. I expect the skill to show up and deliver. That's why he was drafted where he is and why he is the player that he is. But it's when I notice those little things that he's doing that create a more well-rounded hockey player, that's what actually gets me excited. Maybe that's the nerd in me. No, but but I I see him bust his ass on a back check to break up a two-on-one, and I'm going, oh... That's what that's what it looks like right there.
1: I mean, you know, when I when I've talked to Carl Taylor, the Milwaukee Admirals head coach about Ellie Tolvanen, and I've talked about Ellie with Carl a lot over the past few years because of course there's been a lot of interest sure. in Ellie. And one of the earlier conversations we had, Carl told me, nobody's going to teach him how to shoot. Nobody's going to teach him how to <laughs> score. Like I I right. can't do that because he's already got that down. At a level that is without, you know, out of his realm. It's DNA. Yes, it, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's DNA. But there were other aspects of his game that needed to be fleshed out. He needed to learn how to play without the puck. He needed to learn to be responsible defensively. And and and, and Ellie Tolvanen was on the penalty kill for the Milwaukee Admirals last year. Yep. And that and, and you would think that Ellie Tolvanen is not a prototypical penalty killer. But those are the kind of things that he needs to learn how to do, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in order to become you, a complete stud. Exactly. <laughs> and and I think it was to the reach ga- stud status. I think it was the the game against Tampa a couple of weeks ago. You know, the game, the game he scored the goal off the rush, the right. the insane goal off the rush from the tight angle later in that game with the Predators protecting a, a two goal lead, a, a one goal lead. Excuse me. He was out there blocking a shot from ryan mcdonough yep you know first of all it happens
0: like once or twice a game and you're like oh there it is first
1: of all it's it's um it speaks to how trusted he has been by the coaching staff that one Mm -hmm. they're putting him out there in a lead protecting situation late in the game against the tampa bay lightning because oftentimes that's when you rely on your more defensively responsible players you're Colton Sissons or in a former life, your Nick Bonino's, your Austin Watson's, et cetera. So
0: basically we're saying that Cali Yarncroke's biggest competition for the Hart trophy is Ellie Tolvanen.
1: Well, you, uh, you have to wonder if (laughs) Ellie Tolvanen, well, you don't have to wonder. I mean, Ellie Tolvanen has certainly inserted himself into the Calder trophy conversation. You know, is he rookie of the year? Yes. Rookie of the year. Is he going to win it? If he plays like this, you know, he might have a good shot right now. I, I think there are a couple of rookies ahead of him. Um, but he certainly thrust himself into that conversation. Um,
0: All right. Well, it, we've done enough, you know. <laughs> but the
1: point is, is that he's good. <laughs> what the 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 most satisfying thing, other than the fact that it's finally coming together, is you're seeing him contribute in ways that right. aren't just scoring. Right. And the backhand is a rarity for Ali Tolvanen. I think the only other goal he pointed this out last night that he scored on the backhand was his first NHL goal. So he he, he rarely goes to the backhand.
0: But well, he, if but if he can. If he can use the wicked, nasty snapshot, slap shot, and wrist shot that he's got to set up the backhand, and beca- it's like a pass rusher in football. If, if you've got the great singular pass rush move, then you have to work off of that and create the next pass rush move, and that is what Ellie Tolvanen is doing with the backhand, and that certainly on the breakaway against Dallas, had to. it was perfect timing to use it. Um, all right, so we'll get to the strategy conversation about what the Nashville Predators need to do, but real quickly... Before that, I want to ask you, and I don't know if there's any merit to this. I don't think it's fair to draw a straight line to a 9-4-1 record to Matt Duchesne being out of the lineup. But Matt Duchesne has been out of the lineup. The Preds are 9-4-1. <laughs> they were 10-13 with Matt Duchesne in the lineup. There's always going to be this Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne debate. When Ryan Johansson was out of the lineup, the team suffered clearly on offense, and they got worse, right? You can't argue that with Matt Duchesne. I I Matt Duchesne goes out, Preds start winning. I don't think it's a direct correlation, but you cannot ignore that statistic, Adam. I don't know what you attribute it to. I don't know what you know. What other fat... mid? I mean, goaltending, obviously, we've talked about, development of young players, but it's hard to ignore the number. Again, not fair to draw a straight line from Matt Duchesne to success or failure. You're doing a lot of hedging here. I, I know, but... dude, with him out of the lineup, 10-13 with him in the lineup. Sometimes the numbers just are what they are. I should point out, if I'm
1: not mistaken, that they lost four of their first five games without him in the lineup. I Uh, think that's true.
0: You know what? I probably need to go back and double-check that. E-me. Yes. (laughs) Two two, two minutes for me. (laughs) So,
1: correlation does not equal causation. I think that's important to note. Yes, yes. The predators have been clicking on all cylinders. It just so happens that Matt Duchesne has been injured during that time. Two point eight
0: goals per game with him out of the lineup. Two point three with him in the lineup. Okay. So it's not it's, a huge difference. No, it's not. But
1: it's easy it's easy, especially if you are a Duchesne naysayer, detractor, whichever adjective or noun or whatever. I should know my parts of speech. Um you want to use hater? Yes, hater. I've never really been anti say. anti-Duchene. I, I know, but I look. think
0: you're going to have to pick one of them to send to Seattle. Right. And I've always thought that Johansson was the higher upside player. Mm-hmm. But that it was tougher to get him to be that player. But when he is that player, he is a he is a better player than Matt Duchene in my opinion. Matt Duchene's more consistent. Is that that's always been I sort of my I think that stance. Matt
1: Duchene has actually had before he was hurt a pretty solid year in terms of driving play. We talked earlier in the season about his lack of finish. And of course, when you're paid $8 million, you're paid to score. You know, Ryan Johansson has looked better, but he still has two five on five goals this season. So it's not like he's setting scoring records. Um, Duchesne was doing, I feel like all of the right things except scoring this season before he was hurt. Um, a big thing he wasn't doing, but he was right. doing everything else, I feel like. He was drawing a ton of penalties. He was doing a great job of uh, of entering the zone with possession. Um, he was, you know, play was tilted in the Predators' favor when he was on the ice in terms of shot attempts and scoring chances. You know, he was doing everything he could other than put the puck in the net. Um, so, so, Matt Duchesne has a... Matt Duchesne, deserved or not, has a reputation for being a player that teams can't win with. And it, I think it's somewhat unfair. You know, it's easy to look at what happened at the end of his time in Colorado, how he basically looked like a hostage there before they traded him to Ottawa. And that when, when Matt yeah. Duchesne left, the Colorado Avalanche seemed to figure it out shortly thereafter. It's anecdotal evidence, I feel like. I mean, the the senators weren't,
0: yeah, they're not and any better today.
1: Weren't much better today. Columbus. He played a great yeah. he he was great for them for the he was great for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah. You know, and, and they upset the Lightning in the first round. And he was a part of that. So, you know, this idea that, you know, Matt Duchesne, you know, is this is this cursed individual who ruins every team he plays
0: for is not. Yeah, accurate. I don't I don't buy that either. Let me ask you one question then before we get to the big strategy conversation, and that is at their best, who is better who's a better hockey player? Ryan Johansson or Matt Duchesne at their best. That's tough. Because I think it's Ryan Johansson.
1: I think Ryan Johansson at his best is a more well-rounded player than yep. Matt Duchesne. I think Ryan Johansson can be trusted a bit more in defensive situations than Matt Duchesne. Who
0: do you want going up against a top-line center in the sta- in the playoffs? Ryan Johansson. Bingo. So to me, again, I'm not suggesting that the DeShane, the record, even though I kind of just suggested it, I don't think there's a straight line analogy there, but to wrap up this conversation, I think it's worth staying focused on one of these two guys might be pushed to Seattle. What is the discussion between those two? And And right now, I would, I have always said, Johansson, to you on this show, I've said, Johansson's the guy I would keep. You've always said, Johansson's the guy you would push to Seattle. So, just worth keeping an eye on the Duchesne-Johansson thing because I don't think you can keep both of them moving forward in any sort of rebuild, which we will get to in just a minute. The strategy. Should it change for the Nashville Predators in just a second? Goal Standard is brought to you by... Jaspers! Jaspers. Is it the evolution of the sports bar? <laughs> some people are saying. Apparently, you've been listening Many to those people, people. Some people are saying. It is the neighborhood watering hole where you have a great happy hour for national predators games which are now exciting to watch again. which are now great to watch again it's also every day 4 to 6 p.m you get like six dollar sleep potato fries six dollar wings six dollar collie poppers all kinds of good stuff and then like four dollar draft beers there's also the gold standard cocktail of course which is named after this podcast but that is four to six every weekday and during preds games so you could go get collie poppers and wings and two beers for like 20 bucks
1: Sounds pretty good
0: to me. Pretty good way to go watch a Satisfies game.
1: Satisfies everybody. Satisfies the meat eaters, the vegetarians, and the beer drinkers in your life.
0: There you have it. Go to Jasper's. Free parking. Lots of beautiful space yes. to, sp- to spread out. Although, go get your vaccines because, you know, so it's it's exciting. It's exciting for us to all get to be able to go out and be awkwardly social with each other for for a few minutes. (laughs) uh,
1: As you've mentioned before, a lot of space to spread out and at the bar they have plexiglass dividers in between pods of seats so you can sit at the bar without feeling uncomfortable if you're still um, if you're still hesitant to go out which, you know, it's okay.
0: I I completely understand that. Occasionally you might see a really famous Predators writer from The Athletic sitting at Jaspers. If you were at Jasper's Jaspers if
1: you were at Jaspers on... Monday afternoon, while I was picking up dinner, you would have seen yep. me uh, in my gym clothes because I had just come from the gym. <laughs> uh,
0: so I was a sweaty, disgusting mess. We watched basketball there, and uh, a random Division One basketball coach came up and said hello to us, who, who frequents Jaspers because of... 440 Sports. Casey Alexander. I, I I don't want to name names. You Jerry just, Stackhouse. It was not it was not Jerry Stackhouse. Bryce Drew? Uh uh I think he's in Arizona. Um no he, he coaches,
1: Kay, a Grand Grand Canyon, yeah. Grand Canyon. I saw I was watching one of the early Go round games and I saw him. I was like, who is that on yeah. the sideline? Fifteen seed. I was like,
0: yeah. is that Bryce Drew? Rick Patino had a fifteen seed this year. Iona baby. That's right. So you know your hoops. Yeah. Um, so go to Jaspers. G- great happy hour for the Nashville Predators games as well. Free parking. Fantastic place to watch the game. Go to Jaspers. You might run into Adam Vingen or Casey Alexander or Steve Cavendish or myself and order yourself a gold standard as well. Go to Jaspers. All right, Adam, let's get to the biggest and most important conversation off of this surging you know, into the playoff potential run for the Nashville Predators. And that is, what does it do to the strategy that the front office is considering? We've been talking about a sell-off and a rebuild and a blueprint, and we've talked to guests about it. We've had all these long conversations about which pieces should be moved. How do they go about rebuilding? Are they ha- Don't be halfway in, right? Don't be one foot in, one foot out. Um, how does... I guess we'll start with just how does the winning streak and being in the playoff spot and being in the middle of a playoff hunt, how does that change the calculus for the front office with less than two weeks to go before the trade deadline? That's the question.
1: And I'm getting the sense from listeners and readers and tweeters that although they are excited that the team is winning because of course they are, it's their favorite team. The predators have been much more exciting and quite frankly, just you know, fun to watch over the past couple of weeks. It, was, it felt more like a chore watching this team, you know before this recent stretch. <laughs> so although fans are excited that the team is performing well, there seems to be this sense of dread from readers and listeners and tweeters, okay. that this is going to lull David Poyle into a false sense of security. That this team is
0: closer than it than it thinks it is.
1: Yes. And it's going to um, convince him not to look at the bigger picture. And I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. I still I personally believe that this. OK, if per- you
0: are more confident in that than I am, though.
1: I personally believe that this team should still sell at the trade deadline. Now, one
0: hundred percent. Now, agree.
1: Are we talking a liquidation sale? Everything must go. Like we were talking about at the beginning of the month. No. Before we were talking about everything that's not nailed down. So
0: it was the what? What? What did I? What did I? What did I, what did I call it, Adam? Uh, uh, the Ellis Arvidson line. The Ellis Arvidson line. The Ellis Arvidsson line, as
1: as coined by you and Greg washinsky Greg washinsky. No, had, I coined oh, it, and then he, he gave was you credit. very. Com- he was very okay, complimentary. Sorry. He gave you credit. He complimented Cite you. Set your sources, Adam. Any, but, any, Come on. <laughs> anyway, I still think they should sell at the trade deadline. And this is and this is how I approach this. The Predators right now, the probably the best they can hope for, of course, is finishing fourth in the division. I believe they are 10 points. It's a, it's a pretty big gap. They are 10 points back, I believe, of third place, which I think is Carolina right now.
0: Yeah, they got beat on Tuesday night. So...
1: Either way, they are ten points out of third place. So, in all likelihood, if the Predators make the playoffs, they're going to be the fourth team in the Central Division, right? Which, which would mean either uh, a playoff series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions that haven't skipped a beat, and oh by the way, we'll get Nikita <laughs> Kucherov oh my back. God, it's not fair. On in during Game One of the first round, the Florida Panthers, who you know lost Aaron Eckblad for the rest of the season and that's a tough blow because yeah. Aaron Eckblad was having a Norris Trophy caliber season before breaking his leg um against the Dallas Stars earlier in the week. You know, Carolina is a dangerous team.
0: Um, if they get good goaltending, yes. they are they can win the whole thing.
1: The the Predators would be underdogs in all three of those series. Especially if they were to play Tampa. Now, I'm getting the 2017 first round vibes, how everybody didn't think.
0: I I know it. Most people. I can see the headlines already. Most people
1: didn't want to believe that the Predator. Is
0: it it, it in Sean Henry's voice too? Because that's how I hear it. (laughs) I hear it in Sean Henry's voice. Well, 2017. Yes. Nobody believed the
1: Predators would win. against the blackhawks in 2017 and not only did they win they swept
0: them and they had to like work their way into the playoffs like with like a week to go or whatever i think those
1: it's as easy as it is to make those comparisons i think they should be avoided um as well as the the st louis blues from worst to first the likelihood of that ever happening again with a rookie goaltender and firing your coach coach (laughs) is is significantly low it's the new blueprint it's the new blueprint um the blueprint, the blues print. All right. Um, anyway, so <laughs>
0: I lost my train of thought. Anyway, so it's so I don't see this team. I to me the question is where does that Ellis Arvidson line move? That's all it is. Like whatever line David Poyle had in his head, we joke about what we called it, but whatever Poyle had in his head, because again there were rumors about Forsberg being available, right? And and if he's going to ask for forty seven million dollars, you know AAV, which I think would be a record. Um, You know, like they can't afford to pay that. Is he a part of the sell off? Like, the better the team gets, the smaller the sell off looks. But I want to know where that line is because I still think if somebody comes to offer you assets for Eric Holla or, you know, Grandland. Mikhail Granlund. Mikhail Granland, you know, Nick, Bra- Cousins. Nick Cousins, Brad Richardson, I think you have to move them. Yes. And you you're not going to win the cup this year, guys. Like, you're not winning the championship. So you still have to view it through. And this is where I actually think this is a great situation for the Preds. We can make the playoffs and build for the future. Yeah. How many teams get to say that?
1: Exactly, because I mean, you're that... not
0: going to go out and acquire somebody that be- that all of a sudden beats Tampa Bay in the first round, right? So I, I think it's I think it's a, f- a fun situation to be in. Let's let these young kids show us what they can do. Maybe they get maybe we get a playoff series out of the deal. And oh by the way, we acquired some assets for the future. I think the question is Matthias Eckholm. I think that's the question. Is- I,
1: I mean, the the more they win, the less I feel like he is traded in season.
0: I is that the right move?
1: I still think that the Predators could get a lot for him in the summertime, especially after the expansion draft.
0: So, if what he- about Ellis? Same thing for Ellis. Especially if he's healthy at that point in the summertime? I'm
1: still I'm still not convinced that's happening. I'm still I still believe Ekholm is more likely to be traded than Ellis.
0: I agree with you. I'm saying if you're in charge Could you still get a, a pretty heavy return for both of them yes. in the summertime? Yes. Right?
1: Yes. So if they do not trade him if they do not trade Matias Ekholm before April twelfth, it's not a total loss. Because okay. they could still trade him in the summertime in late July. Before after, the expansion. After the expansion draft.
0: So they would have to protect him then. They
1: would have to protect him, which is a whole other conversation. So but, that,
0: is, that is the dynamic that fans need to consider then, right? If they keep him.
1: If they keep him now, it doesn't in order mean that trade he's going to be
0: traded in the future. But then you have to use up a protection spot on him.
1: Right. But then at the same time, are there four eligible forwards who are worth being
0: protected? I mean, not if you're trying to get rid of Duchesne or Johansson. Correct. Whichever one that might be. So it's e- it would That's be easy. Fair. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Just trying to make sure we think about all the different things at play here. Yes. I, I just, the false sense of security is a big concern for me too. I, I think it's wonderful that they're playing like this. It is fun to watch guys like Alex Carey develop and Ellie Tolvin and become a star. And for Matthew Olivier to fly around the ice and for us to sort of stop with the fire tweets. You know what I mean? Like... I'm I'm it's fun to watch this team play and compete. And I think fans should enjoy that. I don't think you can lose sight of the larger picture, which is you're not winning the Stanley cup this year. So if you're not winning the Stanley cup, how do you get better next year? And, and I would hope that the front office sees all of
1: that. And I think when you look at the emergence of all of these young players, some of those veterans are expendable. You know, Nick cousins has been effective relative to expectations, but if you take him out of the lineup and replace him with Rem Pitlick, how much are you losing? Right. How much are you really Gra- losing? Grandland's the one. Grandland, Grandland is the one. And Grandland is the player who, outside of Matias Ekholm, is going to get you the most right. back. And if if the so Toronto Maple Now it's the, Ma- the
0: ekholm Grandland line? Yes. Is that what it
1: is? If the Toronto Maple Leafs come to David Poyle, if Kyle Dubas comes to David Poyle and says, we'll give you this first-round pick or this second-round pick and
0: this highly-touted prospect... You have to do it. He gone. You have to do it. I, I completely agree. I, I don't know what you would be thinking if you're not. What, is he going to walk in free agency? You think you're going to – is Mikhail Granlund going to win you a cup this year? Like, is that why you're keeping him? <laughs> like, he's been he's been great. He has. Um, but then, at
1: the same time, you have Matt Duchesne on injured reserve who could come back and fill that role. Your vi- your mileage on Matt Duchesne may vary, but <laughs> you have a capable player who can replace Mikhail Granlund. You, it's not like a, it's not like you're you're a replacement level
0: player coming in from Chicago Grayland. you are not winning the cup build for the future and also go for the playoffs. you can do both in very do few, both. very few teams get to say that and I, I maybe it's just because they're in this division and Chicago and Columbus aren't very good and Dallas is worse than we expected. Maybe it's just because there's three great teams in this division and everybody else is kind of average and they get to do it this one year. And it all kind of comes together for the Preds, where they get to sell some pieces before an expansion draft with an expiring Matthias Ekholm contract. I mean, it, it maybe maybe it's all just working out, <laughs> and we didn't anticipate it to be this way, right? I mean, and, it, and we thought this was a playoff team at the beginning of the season; they were yes. underachieving, and now they're sort of just achieving. Well, like, they're definitely overachieving right now, like they're lately. Right. Yes, they're. Right. But I mean, fourth place. Yes, and nineteen and seventeen overall, nineteen seventeen and one. That's where we expected them that's to be. That's where we expected them to be. They're ju- they're just achieving. They they <laughs> they're not they
1: overachieving took... or underachieving, it's just achieving. Someone once said to me about I can't remember what it, what exactly I was asking about, but they were talking about taking the service roads instead of the interstate to get from point A to point B. And I feel like that's what the predators did. You know, they they took the long arduous path to where they are versus just going straight there, if that makes sense.
0: You're you're saying the like from the cup year or in the off this season in see- the this rebuild, this season, just in this season, they, okay.
1: Like right now, their record is what we expected their record to right. be before the season started. We expected them to be around a five hundred NHL five hundred hockey team, and they are. They just took a really weird path to get there.
0: Yeah, in our neighborhood, there were a few trees down. Yeah, they had to like detour as
1: opposed to being a 500 team all year, they were a below 500 team. Right. Now they're a, a high, they're a much higher than 500 team and it equals 500. Do, the,
0: do you do you think that the farm system is coming along quicker than than we anticipated? I uh,
1: think so. I think we're seeing Is that part of what we're seeing yeah. with the youth? I mean, movement. I think we're seeing players who perhaps we did not expect to see um and some of that has to do with injuries of course, but David well, Ferriss just signed his contract right? out of and Boston I, U. Right, and like I didn't expect you know, Alex Carrier to get as much playing time. I didn't expect Jeremy Davies to get an opportunity to play this year. I didn't expect, you know, Matthew Olivier to, to be an anchor of a, of a, of a stout fourth line. He was in
0: the starting lineup, uh, the first line last night.
1: So there you go. (laughs) You know, I do think, I mean, I still think the predators farm system is middle of the road, but I think you're seeing the development uh, of prospects quick, more quickly than you might've anticipated.
0: So there is signs of life here, folks. But at the same time, as we've talked about on many different shows in the past, if you try to – you can't make the big move and and go for it here or do something stupid and cost yourself three or four seasons down the road. You, you cannot – you can't miss the forest through the trees on this. And if we get a playoff series out of it and they play Tampa, awesome. That will be a ton of fun. And maybe they pull an upset like they did against Chicago in 2017. Okay, maybe that can happen. But at the same time – this team is not winning a cup. They're not going to win. They're not going to win 16 playoff games. Okay. It's not going to happen, but enjoy the ride. Don't give up on the, on the, on, on the future. You, you still have to build for the future. And I think, I think that's the message we want to portray to Preds fans. Also, I'm sorry for being so angry at you. Preds fans last week. I was pretty worked up. You were pretty worked up last week. I, I still stand by my stance that the NHL is soft hiding behind a, a stupid PR ploy. If everyone thinks integrity is such a huge problem in the game, why isn't the NHL actually trying to address those problems and answering those questions? I'm just so tired of that crap. What's interesting... Spend all day, all week on Twitter <laughs> talking about it.
1: What's interesting is that I think there... I got some tweets and comments on The Athletic last night about how I'm rooting for this team to fail. I don't have rooting interest one way or the other um, when it comes to what this team does. Quite frankly, the better they are, the better it is for business. I mean... People, people want to read about a winner. You know, I've been writing a lot of stories about them rebuilding and being bad. You know, those aren't stories that necessarily everybody wants to read. Right. People want to read about a good team. People want to read about feel-good stories. Um, so, you know, I, I, I want this team, you know, to, to do as well as it can because it's good for me. Yeah.
0: I know it sounds selfish, but it, <laughs> it, it kind of is. Well, listen, it's fun to be in a playoff race. It's fun to be built. You know, it's not as fun to build for the future. But at least it's not a total overhaul. And again, you can do all of it. That's the fun thing about where the Preds are at right now in this short season with 19 games to go and two weeks before the trade deadline. You can kind of enjoy all of it. They can run for the playoffs and acquire some future assets and be a better hockey team next year for it because these young guys are playing. So a lot of good stuff on the show today. Always a pleasure, my friend, Adam Vingen. Uh, where can people follow you? They can follow me on
1: Twitter at Adam Vingan, And of course, subscribe to The Athletic. As you're listening to this, it's March 31st. Uh, I believe through the rest of the week, we are running that special, um, the $1 a month for the first six months. It expires, I believe, on April 5th, which I think is Monday. That is a steal. Yes.
0: That is like Matthias Ekholm's contract. So
1: $6 for six months. That's that's ridiculous. Of of athletic membership. So... Take advantage it. of it while you still can.
0: Make sure you check out the new soccer show, Nashville SC, of course, uh, Club and Country here on the 440 Sports Network. We've got Fringe Element for you SEC football fans, as well as Lamestream Sports for you media folk and the 440 every single morning, all from 440 Sports. Special thanks to our sponsor, Jaspers. Jaspers. Go to Jaspers. Fantastic drink specials and happy hour every Monday through Friday, 4 to 6 p.m. And, of course, during Preds games, go check out the Gold Standard cocktail as well. It's a little whiskey in there little limoncello, unsweet tea. It's delightful. Go check it out. Great place to go watch the game. Jasper's Bar. You got the Grab and Go Market. You got the library. You got all that cool stuff. And oh, by the way, free parking. For Adam Vingan. my name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.